music, news, entertainment. It's all right here. This is The Kelly Alexander Show. Hi, it's Kelly, and this week on the show, we are joined by our music editor, Sharon Hyland, talking about the amount of effort that some actors, singers, and other artists put into preparing for their upcoming projects, like Bradley Cooper, who spent about six years learning how to conduct a live symphony orchestra for his role in his movie Maestro about composer and conductor Leonard Bernstein. We also dive into our vintage vault and chat with Grammy-nominated recording artist J.P. Sachs, talking about the success of his hit song, If the World Was Ending, and his album, Dangerous Levels of Introspection. Listen anytime, anyplace, just a click away, kellyalexandershow.com. Always happy to welcome back to The Kelly Alexander Show, our music editor, Sharon Hyland. Hello, Sharon. Always happy to be here. Hi, Kel. How are you? I am fantastic. And uh, it was funny because when I was going over my notes for what we would chat about on the show this week, two stories kind of popped out at me at different times, but then I realized they kind of go together. Mm-hmm. And thus is the basis of our conversation this week. So article number one was that Taylor Swift uh, recently was named Time Person of the Year. Mm-hmm. So I, I read that article and in that article, it talked about how she really wanted to be prepared for her era's tour that she's currently on. I mean, now she's on Christmas break, but she'll be back at it uh, in the new year. She's and taking a break. I know she's not allowed that Taylor Swift. <laughs> so uh, in, in the uh, in the article, it talked about how she started training like I think it was six months or so before the tour started where she was running on the treadmill like I don't know, it was every day or every second day, but often, and mm-hmm. then singing her whole set list. And depending on if the song was going to be a slow song, then she she might slow it down to like a walk or a like a a slow ru- run, right? Um, her like a jog, off, like a jog, and then she was back up running and singing full pin. And I understand that because being a Janet Jackson fan, I know that when I interviewed her trainer years ago, he said that if a triathlete is at a ten, mm-hmm. Janet is at an eight. That's how wow. insane she needs to be ready to go because of all her higher energy numbers. And similarly, when we talk about uh, artists that make this kind of a commitment, you think of Pink mm-hmm, and yeah. uh, her her flying around stadiums, mm-hmm. doing somersaults and landing on a tiny little one foot by one foot uh, pla- uh, platform that's uh, like 50 feet in the air. And singing the whole time, she yeah. learned how to do that. I remember originally her hanging off of monkey bars at the park mm-hmm. and her trainer hitting her in the stomach and she had to sing through that. So it was being able to sustain that kind of, not pain, yeah. but that cardio challenge. Mm-hmm. You know, if you can if you can do this, then you'll be fine. But imagine, mm-hmm. this is just like necessary ingredients at this point, to elevate and sustain the game that they are in. Yeah. It's pretty remarkable. Yeah, and they're all, you know, oftentimes in some kind of high heels and all that kind of stuff. And yeah. talking about when she would take a day off, like she sits in her bed and doesn't move unless she has to because she really wants everything to kind of relax because of she's also performing in heels. And um, she also was very adamant because she's not a dancer. She worked with a choreographer and was training herself hardcore so that she would know the steps that she needed to do on stage so that she could not worry about it and actually enjoy interacting with the audience. So all of this right. is, is is what I'm talking about with her. And then read an article about uh, Bradley Cooper, who, um, you know, is now 
showing off his movie Maestro about Leonard Bernstein. Yeah. So they talked about how, uh, like an interview talked about Carrie Mulligan, his co-star, how he was already talking in character a year before they started filming. And on top of that, he was going to conduct a live orchestra piece as part of the filming. And it took him six years that he worked on it for a six minute and 21 second piece. Which I think is compelling because that's a like it sounds like such a corny cliche but that's a commitment to one's craft like it really is because if you're going to play a character of you know just like if you were to have just been playing a conductor that'd be one thing he probably might not have spent that much time studying how to be a conductor but he's he's committed himself to portraying a person and Obviously, he doesn't want to get that wrong or mess it up or or chance it. So, but six years. Oh, my goodness. That's a long time for six minutes and 21 seconds. Yeah, but there's there would be no doubt that he he got every moment of those minutes. Right. Yeah, exactly. And so all that led me to my question for you today, which is um, what's your favorite color? Exactly. (laughs) Preparation for art, because that's what I'm calling it in a way. It's like preparing Right. Put on the best art show, whether mm-hmm. that's a role or whether that's a stage show or whether that's, you know, doing um, sculpting, like whatever. Yeah. So, yeah. What are your thoughts on because I think there's people in, in, in other industries that would obviously work as hard at what they do. But this is like inspirational. Yeah, I think at the uh, at, at the base of it, there's a character trait that if you are charging people money to come and see you in whatever your art you got to make sure that it's good that you're delivering that you are providing your end of the bargain and and like we were saying depending on what that art is the game has or the bar has to be raised mm-hmm. a little higher depending on what you're doing i think it speaks to a a, a generation of people who you know, it's always been like, oh, well, you're, you're going to go and you're going to play this sport and you're going to do great at it, or you're going to do arts, or you know, it's always been sort of compartmentalized when you think of kids in school, where somehow there's been this perception of hierarchy, you know, for young people. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think if you excel in whatever you're doing, you get to determine the hierarchy. So there's no like, oh, they're in the arts, you know, it's, I find everything's, everything has been raised the level of everything has been raised but nothing is being talked down of too do you know what i mean like mm-hmm. like if you're going to be an artist you're you have the possibility then to train like taylor swift and and put on an exceptional tour you can train like pink you can train like janet jackson and you know be able to get the return on your investment of time to your art or if you're going to be Bradley Cooper and you're going to want to portray someone in particular that people will know and are ready to go, no, that doesn't sound like him. It's I find it I find it amazing. It really opens up the possibilities to a whole new generation of of uh, creatives to you know be able to do something great if they wanted to. It's attainable, and they're proving that it's attainable through hard work. Mm-hmm. Do you? What are your thoughts on? You know, because all the people were talking about Pink, Bradley Cooper, you know, Janet Jackson, Beyonce, let's say, like adding all those people. They're all people that are in their like 40s and 50s, mm-hmm. right? 
So, and Taylor Swift, well, she's still in her thirties. Uh, but like, what is your thoughts on upcoming artists? Do you think they have the work ethic? Do they think, do you think they have the mentality as a generation to pull off what these amazing artists uh, that are of a generation are doing? I don't think they have a choice. Like, and I think the longevity, the sustainability of the, of these of people who want to do it will be identified if they don't have the ethic. Mm-hmm. You know, if they don't have the commitment to level it up and and stay afloat, you know, there's going to be other people who do. Look at how long Taylor Swift has been around. Technically, by pop star standings or standards, you're supposed to be fleeting. Yeah. The pop mentality has a shelf life. It's just the way it is. Mm-hmm. But she's managed to sort of seep into different genres and aside from the creative work that goes into her performance, she's locked into her fans in a way that she can do anything and millions of people will be there waiting to go, yeah, we're coming. Mm-hmm. It's incredible. And I think that that's, that can be said about, you know, most artists that have fan bases, right? Like you love the people you love, but when your character is elevated like that, when people can see that you're putting it in, and and ultimately you're doing it for the fans who are buying your music or going to see your movies, you're doing it for the experience. So there's an, an earnestness about that, I think, that people like as fans and appreciate. So that's why they'll lock in even harder. I think you have a great point about Taylor Swift because if you think about it, other artists that are kind of in her class, if you want to call it that, like her graduating mm-hmm. class, yep. some of them aren't as like, you know, they're not, they're not doing the graduate speech right now. You know what I mean? Right. Like, they're still doing their thing, but she keeps only ascending really. Cause she's like where yeah. she is now, like era's tour. And I think just, you know, where she is in pop culture, again, kind of reemerging from even that relationship she had where she was kind of keeping that very private. And, you know, she was overseas for a lot of it, I believe. Um, and now she's got the, you know, the NFL all over her and that whole thing with her, her boyfriend, Travis, like she's really almost now, I think more popular than she ever was. I think so too. And I think that's just the way the world spins. Like you, you gain more and more as, as the ball rolls, you know, like it's like a snowball effect. She's not going to, ne- she, she'll never not be popular. Mm-hmm. And yet, like we were just saying by pop standards, she should have fallen off already. Oh yeah. A million percent. But I think that because she's got such pure talent, I mean, we've talked about it before. She's driven me crazy before because when she was younger, she always was surprised, you know, like, and it seemed fake to my eyes. It didn't take away from the fact that she can write a great song, no question, and perform and all the other stuff that we've talked about. But that stuff that comes along with, I think, just living and experiencing life, she's chilled a bit. Yeah, I think she's real. And that's the ball turning the ball rolling, right? The snowball getting bigger and bigger. You just you gather information and hopefully you keep the stuff that works for you. And you, you know, you don't keep the stuff that doesn't. Yeah. And she's doing great, I think. Oh, she's doing yeah, amazing. And um, another thing that kind of came to mind with all of this is that I was recently talking to some choreographers and they were talking about again the younger generation of dancers coming up and how everybody is in that TikTok mentality where it's like okay I need to look really good for 30 seconds or a minute or whatever the time frame is that's the magic number now to get yourself viral and seen and all that but they were talking about how 
like that's not a full music video or that's not a full dance piece on stage. So that's a problem if you can only pull yeah. off a certain amount because of what the time constraints are of a social media platform. Well, so it's a weird uh, equation too because the the what we've been told is that that's that's the attention span of, you know, people watching TikTok videos. You have to get them within the first however many seconds. Mm-hmm. So it's a mixed message for someone who doesn't have the experience and yet I think it'll turn out to be a great lesson for the people that end up figuring it out that sure I can post 30 seconds and it'll be good but I really have to be able to deliver four minutes yeah and then 40 minutes and then two hours do you know like mm-hmm. but knowing the difference and I think that goes back to the whole life and experience and figuring it out right now in those moments of the new TikTok up-and-comers 30 seconds matters to them and it does but it it really just is the key to having to deliver more mm-hmm. and you got to stay strong on that. And I know, you know, for the radio station that I work for, um, obviously we're in the pop realm and it's interesting to see like during the course of the pandemic, you know, certain artists popped out because they went viral and then yep. they got quick record deals. And I'm not going to name names because I do hope, you know, for some of them that they swing it back around again. Mm-hmm. But, you know, there were a couple that I interviewed that it was like, like they couldn't have been hotter for those three months mm-hmm. bought a record deal then had to rush and record and then it sucked and then i don't yeah. know if they still have the deal at this point well i think if you're going into it thinking i'm going to be a star you're going in for the wrong reasons mm-hmm. if you are going in thinking you're going to be a star and you become a star then you better figure out that you've got to work to sustain that shine like there's actual work involved yeah because you alone are probably not that good or good enough but you plus all the stuff that you're prepared to put in to make you better that's what it takes but that's i think that's the cycle of popularity in any genre of music and in any field of creativity let's say and probably other fields where you can get yourself to a certain point you can get your foot in the door or someone can help you but once your foot's in the door, you got to make sure that you know how to push the rest of yourself through because mm-hmm. there's no guarantees and there's always someone that's, you know, going to work harder than you. I think that's the mentality that a lot of them have and it works. Yeah. <laughs> Competitive and I, spirit. <laughs> and I think a lot of the artists that are still doing well, like a Taylor Swift, let's say, I feel like she's still there's probably many factors going on, but I still feel like she's competitive with herself. Like she wants to keep doing better. She Mm -hmm. wants to keep getting better at her craft. Cause you know, even myself as a radio announcer and even as someone who, who trains in martial arts, like even though I have a black belt, I've been a fifth level black belt now for a while. I know I'll never be perfect, but I keep striving to be better. And it's, and it never gets old for me. And because I remember somebody saying to me, well, you've already got your black belt like five times over. Why are you, like, why are you still doing this? And it's like, but I know I'll never be perfect, but I'm always striving to either do that, you know, martial art routine better or be a better fighter when I'm. Mm-hmm. And so it never gets old. Like, and I never think I have it all figured out. Like, but I, you know, as you get older, you kind of figure out some tricks and you're like, okay, I can do this and that's going to work or whatever. But I just know I'm never going to be the best. And even being on the air, you might have a killer break and you know, you killed it. But then the next time, like you said your name wrong or whatever, like, it oh yeah. You know, and so you, so there's always this striving to be better, be clear, know that you nailed it, and it never gets old. Like, I never feel like I have it. 
but it never it doesn't end with that right so you'll never be perfect because your environment changes Mm -hmm. so you might be perfect in the moment like you said but something's going to change and you got to be able to keep up with those changes Mm -hmm. and no one's telling you what the changes are yeah so you got to be ready and agile physically mentally in every way to be able to roll with it so even for that one even once you figured out a trick like you said you're there and it's going to change again in the next step in the next step and that's life right mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> like no one said it would be easy mm-hmm. uh, but you got to put work in if you want to survive literally yeah exactly sharon highland i appreciate you thank you very much i appreciate you kel thanks that is our music editor sharon highland don't forget to follow her on instagram at the sharon highland and of course to check out the podcast that we co-host together called 90s now and you can find us at 90snow.com to grab all of our social media handles follow us on instagram kelly alexander show very happy to welcome Grammy-nominated and Juno Award-winning uh, artist J.P. Sachs to the show. J.P. recently released his debut album, Dangerous Levels of Introspection, and is heading out on tour this fall. J.P., welcome. Thank you for having me. So we're in Montreal. You're in Los Angeles. I have a question about Toronto. So you made a decision to leave Toronto and head to Los Angeles. What's the best three things to come out of that decision to leave home to go to, to go south? The best three things that came out of the last nine years of my life. That's a good and challenging question. I became myself. I think that would have happened either way, but I am I am happy with the culmination of events that have led me to the person I currently get to be. I would not change a thing about it. I would not have any of it happen any faster or any slower. I missed home the whole time, but I also got to build a life that felt like mine. That is a less sequential answer than the one you were looking for but it felt honest so i'm gone with it that's perfect now i was reading somewhere in all the notes that i had about you that the shower is a very important place for you can you tell your fans why i write most of the beginnings of my songs in the shower i can't exactly i I don't know why exactly but for whatever reason the shower usually starts my songs so you just dropped the album and you have to let us know because this is the the one time in life that you will ever get to drop a debut album it's true it's the one time it'll ever happen yeah you're not gonna have this experience again so what was it like knowing like this is it this like your whole life has led up to this moment in a way i mean when you put it like that kind of terrifying also just a quick note on your last question (laughs) i realized I kind of knew this, but I've realized that, you know, when you put something on an album, especially when you're committed to making the most personal album you possibly can, it just kind of becomes fair game to talk about these things, uh, which is, which I'm totally fine with. It's part of my job, but the amount of, like, I've been asked about my showers a lot lately, which is like, which I'm fine with. I love the shower. I'm happy to talk about it, but it's just funny. Like the things that become the, that become the, the thing you talk about with people you've just met. Like imagine another situation where you meet someone on a laptop and 30 seconds later, they're like, tell me about your showers. Yeah. It's great. Um, unless I guess you're in a shower store and you're trying to get the perfect shower head. I guess that's the other circumstance. This would make sense. I'm going to have to come up with like good shower suggestions so I can make that an educational moment for me. I can take the opportunity. Exactly. Your question was about what it felt like to put out my debut album. It's, uh, I mean, it was the culmination of the last four years of my life. And the most I've ever shared about myself. So, like I said, I'm connecting all your questions. Like, like I said, um, two questions ago that, you know, the last nine years of moving to LA, I felt like I was becoming myself. This album really is some of the, the key emotions that played a huge role in me becoming myself. You know, I, I speak on 
there's kind of four subject matters, um, which are related to four people. There's the last relationship I was in for a long time and figuring out who I was separate and apart from it. There's falling in love with someone new and, and figuring out um, a love that was, was different and bigger than anything I could have concepted it to be. There's uh, a song for a friend, like a hype track for the heartbroken, trying to convey all of the ways that I was truly awful at heartbreak and tried to pass on some of that advice. Not advice from being good at it, advice truly from being bad at it. And then there's a song about the loss of my mom. And I would say those four things kind of summarize the last four years of my life. It's what most of my journal entries have been about. And do you think like now that that is out, like, are you already, and I know the tour is coming up, which we'll talk about in a sec, but like, are you already thinking like second album, like what's coming next? Cause like you might have my ideas already. Yes. I I'm always thinking about the next songs, but at the moment I'm thinking about the deluxe edition of this album. Okay. <laughs> okay. I'm going to add a few songs to it and then put it out again because I want to, I really love this album. So I got to do everything I can to make people pay attention to it. Now, I'm sure you've answered a million and five questions about if the world was ending, but I just wanted to ask you this. Are you okay knowing that you will have to sing that song on stage till you die? Yes. And I'll, I'll tell you why. When I was like 22, 23, I do not know where this confidence came from, but there's something I used to say to my friends. I used to say, my biggest fear is not not succeeding. My biggest fear is succeeding with music I don't love, which is naively confident for no reason like i had no right to be saying like that but (laughs) that that was what was in my mind um so fast forward if the world was ending is the song that in many ways started this era of my career and i love that song so much and you know if it wasn't if the world was ending if it was a song i didn't love this album would have been confusing but I think that song fits quite perfectly on this album because that song is exactly the kind of music I've always wanted to make. It's heartfelt, it's conversational, it's... So yeah. yes, I'm comfortable singing for the rest of my life because it's exactly the kind of music I want to make for the rest of my life. When the song came out first, like pre-pandemic, do you have like a different view of it now than you did when it first came out? Like, because I, like everybody, at least at our station, you know, people just gravitated to it. And I'm assuming obviously that was worldwide with people just gravitating to the song. So did it take on new meaning for you after heading into lockdown? I mean, yes, it, it did. You know, I think when you prioritize sincerity above all else in your songwriting, occasionally you stumble upon a sincerity that goes beyond whatever personal relevance it had to you you know when we first wrote that song it was imagining it was imagining the scenario it was imagining the catastrophe that would you know make all of your reasons not to talk to the people you love seem small and stupid and petty and you know we had no way of anticipating six months later that it wouldn't need to be imagined Mm -hmm. that we would arrive at a world where that was at the forefront of all of our minds um so yeah that that was we stumbled into something more human and honest than we intended to but i mean even pre-pandemic like i think that was a real thought that crosses people's minds like what would it take what would it take happening in the world for it not to matter why i don't text that person what would it take now i i've really tried to be so adamant in the promotion of that record that it is not 
an excuse to text your ex. I just am so opposed to the texting of toxic exes. Do not do it and do not use my, my song as an excuse to do it. (laughs) I'm not in support of that. Um, I'm sure it happened a bunch of times and I feel a little guilty about it, but you know, at its the, my favorite stories about that song have been, uh, you know, your song inspired me to text my mom or my dad or my sibling or this family member or my best friend from college or, you know, someone who there was some stupid fight that, you know, kept you apart for years. And all of a sudden it just didn't feel like it mattered anymore. So what do you think about Montreal? Like where, where is Montreal sit in JP Sachs's heart? Uh, so my girlfriend's favorite breakfast in the world is in Montreal. And it would be a really good moment right now if I remember what it was called. But the last two times I've toured in Montreal, Julia's been like, you have to go to, I wish I wish I was at home. So I, was just, I would just ask her. Um, I'm at the studio. I'll have to get back to you on what the breakfast place okay. is. Shout out a local Montreal business. Um, it's, uh, I mean, some of my favorite shows, the Corona Theater in Montreal where we're playing is one of my favorite venues in the world. Perfect. We love to hear that. That's awesome. And which you'll be here on uh, November 1st. What do you want fans to know about you coming in? Like, I know you can't give away secrets, but like, is there something you just kind of want them to know and feel about your arrival when you you come here in November? I can tell you secrets. What do you want to know? Great. Tell me. Actually, my my follow up question to that would be, is it hard being in a relationship with a fellow songwriter? Because I know what it's like being in a relationship with a fellow radio person. So I'm wondering, like, if it's challenge. I know it's obviously great, but is there challenges being uh, with someone who does your profession? I mean, the pros and cons for sure. Okay. (laughs) I I always used to say I would never date another songwriter. Yeah. Which to me is hilarious now because I've dated the songwriter. (laughs) And but I do think that is a good example of how love will always be better than your ability to come up with what it should be. So, but I mean, it's kind of what you would expect. You know, we'll just be having a lovely conversation and one of us will be like, oh, you should put that in a song. And then the other one will be like, can we just talk, please? Um, But we're both guilty of that. I don't have too many secrets, though. So if I mean, it's hard for me to just come up with them on the top of your head. If you had if you had pointed questions about specific secrets, I could determine whether I wanted to tell you better. Got it. Okay. can I ask you three quick questions, though? Because I've always wanted to know this is what artist or producer would you love to work with that you haven't yet? Because you've already worked with a lot of great people, but I'm assuming there's somebody else on the list. There's a lot of people on the list. Beyonce. I'd like to work with Beyonce. I'd like to work with Drake. I'd like to work with Alessia Cara. I'd like to work with Jesse Reyes. I would like to work with uh, Paul McCartney, Stevie Wonder, Jody Mitchell. A lot of people. Where were you and how did it feel the first time you heard your song on the radio? Whichever song it was. Do you want the emotional version of that story or do you want... The first time I heard myself on the radio was at two in the morning leaving Sunnybrook Hospital in Toronto. Uh, driving back to my Airbnb. It was a, a pretty special moment. Nice. And was it If the World Was Ending or was it a different song? It was If the World Was Ending, okay. yeah. As a songwriter, in the last six months, is there a song on the radio that you wish you had written? There's only one song in the world I wish I had written. Okay. It's called I Can't Make You Love Me by Bonnie Raitt. One of my favorite songs ever. Other than that song, I've never been an I wish I wrote that type of writer because I use my songs as a way to feel more connected to my own life. So if there, I, I love songs. I obviously I love songs. I didn't write to be an incredibly narcissistic thing to say otherwise, but I love them because they make me, they make, they remind me of parts of my own life, but they're not my own life. And, and I want my music to be my experiences. So I, I wouldn't want to take a song that didn't feel like my experiences, which is why I, I'm not, um, lusting over other 
trying to take other people's songs, except for that Bonnie Raitt song. Cause okay. I think it's <laughs> now that you're in LA most of the time, is there some food from Canada that you miss? Food from Canada that I miss. Uh, it's, it's not so much a food, but I miss not feeling judged for putting ketchup in my Mac and cheese. <laughs> Cause when I put ketchup in my Mac and cheese back home, no one bats an eye. Everyone's perfectly fine with it. And they're probably putting ketchup in theirs as well. But whenever I do it here, people look at me so suspiciously and I'm tired of the judgment. Understood. And final message to your Montreal fans. I have very much enjoyed yelling at the top of my lungs with you every time I've come to Montreal in the past. And now that this will be my first headline Montreal show, we're going to, you're going to get all, all of my emotions. And I would like to, I would like to, share them with you and feel some of yours as well so come hang and thanks for giving a crap about my music because it means a whole lot awesome we can't wait to see you on november 1st at the corona theater jp you rock and you're welcome to visit us anytime when you come to montreal we hope to see you at the station thank you for having me the kelly alexander show there you have it, another episode of The Kelly Alexander Show. And a big thank you going out to our guests this week, Sharon Hyland and J.P. Sachs. My thanks, of course, to our producer, Andrew Sabino, for doing such an amazing job putting the show together. And don't forget that you can follow us on all our social media handles by hitting up our website, kellyalexandershow.com. Have an amazing week. You and I will chat soon. The Kelly Alexander Show.